The views and opinions on this podcast regarding any people or businesses mentioned are based on interviews and articles available to the public. The views and opinions of any guests are not necessarily those of the host, the producer, or Pants Pending Studios. And welcome to episode three of the Dog Lady Rants. I do apologize for the space in between the last one and and doing a new one. I tend to overthink these things. Um, I've done a lot of articles, and with those, I can I can reread it and rewrite it over and over until I feel it's just right. And so I felt like I needed a whole lot of preparation for each podcast and really I just need to get on here and talk and stop overthinking it so that's what we're going to try and hopefully it goes well. All right so a couple of things I want to talk about in this episode. Uh, One is the definition of hobby breeders. I've seen this misused recently and it's and it's really blowing my mind because it seems like the name itself should be obvious enough hobby breeders. What is a hobby? A hobby is something that you do in your own time because you like it. It's not something that you're profiting on. It's not something that you um, that your whole goal is to make money off of. Then, then it's not a hobby. It's a business. But a hobby means that it's something that you put your time into because you love doing it. And what you are hoping to create is something that that really shows the the time and the effort that you put into it. Something that is quality. You don't build model airplanes and then just slap them together and have them look crappy. And then you go, well, that's my hobby. No, you do a really, really good job at it because that's what you love and you're proud of what you're creating. So a hobby breeder should be the ideal that someone looks for to either, you know, model their own program after, or um, that is where you would want to go to find a a show prospect, a breeding prospect, a a pet, anything. You, that is the, the, the ultimate type of breeder is a hobby breeder. But I'm seeing this used and lumped into stereotypes with puppy mills. And I, and it's so opposite that I don't understand how people are not getting this, that the, the term hobby breeder is somehow getting twisted into something that even the name should clarify. Um, I saw a, um, uh, there was a, somebody complaining on one of their pages, they had run across something called a hobby zoo. And they're like, hobby breeders, hobby zoos, what is our country coming to? Well, what would a hobby zoo be? I hadn't heard of them before. But when you think about it, a hobby zoo would be something that is not profit driven either. So would you rather have a zoo that is thinking about the bottom line, maybe staying open extra hours so that they can get more people in, get more admissions, even if the animals are tired? You know, that, that's what I see when, what I think about when I think of a, you know, profit driven zoo. And I, I'm, I know they're not all like that. And that's, you know, that's not... Um, typical, but I mean, that's just one scenario that, that came to mind is, is, you know, a profit driven type of a, uh, type of a organization that involves animals. Sometimes the animals are going to end up getting the raw end of the deal when they're looking at the bottom line and, and trying to bring in more profit. So it seems like a hobby zoo would be a good thing too, because, 
they're putting those animals together probably for, you know, preservation purposes. They're not necessarily open to the public and, you know, putting everything on display. It's it's something that they're enjoying doing. And so it's it's not all about the bottom line. So um, you know, the, the term hobby breeder, hobby zoo, anything, you know, along that line should be a positive thing. Um, but it's being used like, like a backyard breeder, like, um, like there's not much thought that goes into it. Yeah, well, yeah, I breed dogs as a hobby. That's not what it is. I mean, a hobby is what you put your, you know, you pour your heart and soul into because you love it. So I, I, I really just, I, I'm hating seeing this phrasing being used uh, in the wrong way. And I think part of that is, is because there's these animal rights groups that would like to get rid of all breeders. And, and if you, uh, and a lot of sites will separate out hobby breeders from puppy mills, where if you can lump in hobby breeders and puppy mills together until pretty soon the phrase hobby breeder becomes a dirty word, then what are we going to call ourselves then? <laughs> There's not going to be any phrases or labels left that we can call ourselves that isn't already going to be, you know, destroyed or dirtied up by some of these groups. So I don't know if this was on purpose, if this is just groups that are that are not understanding. Um, I saw it used in another way where there are pet stores that claim they get their dogs from hobby breeders. Well, that's a bunch of bull because a good hobby breeder does not sell to pet stores. More of a commercial breeder does. Um, but a hobby breeder who is just breeding for the, you know, the love of that breeder or producing, you know, future generations with the big picture in mind, they don't sell to pet stores. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting how this phrasing is getting turned around and twisted and used in the wrong way. And in the course of this conversation, it did get flipped around to where the original poster was lumping hobby breeders and hobby breeders in with commercial and puppy mills. And so I, I had to jump in and say, what, wait a minute, what the heck? <laughs> this is, this is not what a hobby breeder is. So, um, yeah, we've got to watch these, these labels and how they're being worked in, in, in made into a negative thing. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about kennel blindness. Now, this is something where you can't see the faults in your own dogs. Um, it, and I'm sure it's something that everybody starts out with. Not everybody just jumps into breeding dogs and goes, oh, I can spot a perfect representative of the breed right now. You know, no, it takes a while to learn what to look for. I started out with some pet quality dogs and, and I thought they were gorgeous. I mean, I, I picked them out because they had pretty faces, pretty heads, beautiful eyes. You know, I mean, they, they're beautiful little Bostons that, to me. And a very nice breeder, one of my first mentors, said uh, very nicely that they had nothing to offer the breed. It, it was a, it was very, um, very blunt, but it was still put very nicely. They didn't have anything to offer the breed. Nice way of saying, eh, bad quality, spay those dogs, you know. Um, so it, it took me a little bit to, I guess, accept that because I had already, you know, built up this big plan for my breeding program. And, and so it was, it was a little bit tough, but I knew this person knew what they were talking about. They knew a quality dog and I knew I needed to listen. It wasn't easy. 
But you do what you have to do, and it's an ongoing education. You may not recognize something today that you'll recognize in two years as being you know, something that needs to be improved upon. The more you learn about structure and type and, and movement and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different moving parts to a dog, uh, and a lot of different pieces that go into each breed. So, uh, it is an ongoing education and I kind of discovered, I guess I didn't discover something new. Um, but <laughs> I guess I recognized uh, something in another group that I, I didn't realize, um, really existed, uh, and something called breeder blindness. Now this is, and, and I just kind of threw that term out there. I don't know if that's an actual official term, but that's what I'm going to call it is breeder blindness. This is when you've got a breeder who is doing some things that are, um, sneaky, unethical. Um, maybe they're just a douche, you know, excuse the phrasing, but maybe they're just someone that no one should really deal with because they're absolutely obnoxious or a headache or whatever it is. And, um, but if they have a certain amount of success in the ring, they have certain dogs, certain lines, people will, you know, kind of lay their head out there on the chopping block, uh, and put up with that in order to get those bloodlines or, or to get those dogs. And so, you know, this, this garbage happens, um, with show breeders, you know, because everybody's trying to, you know, get the, the next nicest dog or, or to be successful in the ring or whatever. And, and sometimes you put up with a lot of crap. Personally, I won't, I have avoided breeders that, I have heard from a lot of people that they're an absolute headache. Now, I usually prefer to find out for myself if someone is actually, you know, honest, if maybe the rumors are or are not true. Um, I usually want to just find that out for myself. But when there's, you know, 15 people saying, oh my gosh, that person burns every bridge that they walk across, stay away. It's going to be a headache. I tend to stay away. I, there's too many really, really nice dogs out there that I don't need to deal with someone who is going to is going to give me a headache and and keep me up all night worrying about, you know, all all the hoops I need to jump through and all the crap I need to put up with in order to get or to keep those lines. Um I I just don't have the patience for it, but some people do. Some people will put up with that. And I actually witnessed this in um in a group of color breeders over the last few weeks and, and color breeders, I mean, breeding disqualified or fad colors in, in the breed. And, and anybody who knows me knows that this is a, this is a real touchy subject for me. It's, it is a big pet peeve and I'm not going to jump into that subject on, on this podcast. That'll, that'll be a later rant. Um, that'll be an extra special rant, I think. But, but I, I saw this happen in a group of I guess you would probably say non-show breeders regarding someone who was starting, just starting to show. And it was just, it was mind boggling to me because, because what had happened was something that was very public. It was very dishonest. Uh, And anybody who had actually read both sides and had actually maybe gone to the links posted that showed proof that, you know, what was being done was completely false. Um, 
all of that over the last few weeks was being glossed over. And I, I just didn't understand like, like what conversation were you in on? Because I, I, you would think that that would not be someone that anyone would ever want to deal with again because they flat out lied to every single person in that conversation about what they were doing. I'm not going to, you know, get into the, to the details of it. That's, you know, not my purpose here, but um, I, I didn't understand it. And then after a more extensive conversation with someone today, it occurred to me that it's that, it's that same thing. It's that breeder blindness where, where there might be something from that person that you want for your own program. So you're willing to um, turn a blind eye to some ethics issues or to some dishonest behavior. And um, it honestly just floored me. I, I guess I've, I've seen it a little bit with show breeders, but seeing it kind of across the board with this other group, I thought, what, what in the world is going on? And then that is, that's what occurred to me is, is there might be something in it for them later to support that breeder now. Um, so um, crap goes on in in all different areas, you know, you hear, oh, well, show breeders are so snobby. Well, you, you know what? There's, there's snobby people in every group. Okay. Did you not go to high school? There's snobs everywhere. And you start out learning either to be one or to deal with one or to, you know, go back and forth between the two. You learn that in high school. So, you know, I, no one can be surprised that there are people who are snobs or there are people who are not nice in other facets throughout life. Have you not had coworkers that you didn't get along with? Have, have you not had any experience with, I don't know, PTA moms or you know, there's, there's so many different groups out there. You get a, you get a large number of people together in a group and you're going to have crap. You're going to have drama. It's going to happen. Um, but realize that it happens everywhere. So, you know, don't don't pretend you're immune from the garbage that goes on or the, you know, the turning the blind eye and or to um, uh, unethical behavior just because you're in a different group. You know, there's there's bad apples everywhere. So, you know, try not to uh, get caught up in that and, and become a part of it and become associated with it. Uh, because that is that reflects on you too. If you're excusing someone's unethical behavior, it doesn't look very ethical on the person that ex- is excusing it. So, um, just some food for thought. Uh, I did want to talk about some. Uh, I guess something that's a little bit more positive is I went to a show um, a couple weeks ago when they had some health testing clinics there, and and. Uh, uh, there was um, there was one on Saturday. There was one on Sunday. So uh, you know, I got to be there and and uh, do one of each. You know, and and wait in the waiting room for these for these health tests. And uh, you know, and one I was I was kind of crabby because you know they told me about forty five minutes, and it was two and a half hours later when I got <laughs> my dog in. And then the next day they told me it was twenty minutes, and then here it's like an hour and a half later. So you know, I'm I'm sitting there kind of being a little bit steamed that you know that I was told one thing and then all of a sudden here are all these other dogs in front of me that I swear weren't in front of me before and so I'm being a little bit of a crabby and 
And then, you know, towards the end um, on the second day, I realized that this was actually a really cool thing. Um, There were so many breeders there who were doing the responsible thing and testing their dogs. Hundreds of dogs were going through and they they offered quite a few different types of testing there. And there was a waiting list a mile long. And, you know, how cool is that? That there are so many people that are interested in doing the right things by their dogs. And, And I... I wish that critics of show breeders would take a step into um, our shoes for a little bit or just just come in and be an observer and watch um, how this is handled and, and how these breeders are doing the responsible thing. There was one gal that walked in and I won't get into any detail at all because it's, you know, not my not my place, but. Um, she walked in, one of her dogs had not passed their, one of the tests. Um, and she was immediately on the phone with co-owners and, and you got to assume if there's co-owners, they're doing testing, this, this person is active, actively showing, um, there's probably some pretty high hopes for this dog. I mean, you've got multiple owners on it and they're taking it to a show and having it tested and then it doesn't pass the test. Um, you know, there was probably some some crushed hopes and dreams in, in that um, brief time that it took to find out those test results. And that breeder was immediately on the phone with the co-owner, had a, a pretty quick, frank conversation. They both decided that dog is out of the program. Uh, that That can't be easy. There had to have been a good investment in that dog. There had to have been some hopes pinned on that dog. Um, but they were responsible and the second they found out that the dog didn't pass, the dog was out of the, they, there was no justifying. There was though, well, no, well, maybe we'll breed her to this and maybe we'll get this and trying to preserve that somehow. There's a phrase that's used with breeders a lot and it's called, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, you know, there, there might be something that comes up that you can screen out through future generations without taking a dog completely out of the program. Um, and, and there are cases where you can do that. It needs to be used sparingly, in my opinion. Uh, sometimes I think that's an excuse to keep a dog in a program that shouldn't be in a program. Uh, <clears throat> not always, but I do believe that that happens sometimes, and I think it should be more the exception than something that's commonly used. Um, but but here was here was a group of people that, or you know, a couple of owners that didn't even second guess it was that dog is out. And um, I I wish that show breeder critics would have been able to sit in on that conversation and witness the the right thing being done. You know, sometimes it shows you see a lot of the wrong things being done. Um, you know, nothing awful, but but you know, little things here and there that you're like, eh, I don't know if that's really, you know, if that's really within the rules or, you know, oh, I think that might have been a little bit underhanded. You know, every once in a while you see little things, nothing, nothing huge, um, at least not that I've seen so far. But it's cool to see someone doing the right thing. You're sitting in a group of people, you're, you're like-minded, you're wanting the best for your breed, you're wanting the best for their future. Um, and when a tough decision comes up, the right thing is done. And, and it would be nice if that happened every single time. Um, but I would say in any group of people that are, uh, 
testing with with such a commitment um, that the right thing does happen because you know if they didn't want to know they wouldn't be testing if they wanted to gloss it over keep a dog in their program um, they wouldn't be testing and trying to make sure that that is the healthiest representative of the breed that they can have in their program so um, that was just that was a really a really positive thing and and something that I look forward to to seeing more of and and recognizing you know sometimes you have to open up your eyes and look for the positive around you there can be lots of drama in the show ring um, inside and outside and and all around there can always be drama there's there's always conflicting personalities um, but you sometimes you gotta look around and realize. Look at the big picture and realize how cool it is that you have so many people together with the same opinions and the same goals. Um, it, it really is a, a, a neat thing when you take the time and, and recognize that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Dog, Dog Lady Rants. Um, I appreciate you listening. And uh, I promise it won't be quite so long in between this episode and the next episode. I am going to... Um, make it my goal to not overthink these and to just jump in and just start talking. Um, <laughs> that, that seems to be the easiest thing for me to do is just open my mouth and let whatever opinion is in there come out. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but um, you know, that's, that hasn't bothered me so far. So um, thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Pants Pending Studios for hosting our podcast. It's a neat group to be a part of. Uh, everybody have a good night. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.